What's going on, Defenders? Welcome to episode 143 of the most LAFC podcast in the solar system. I am one half of this dynamic duo, the self-proclaimed beast from the East and the toast of the East Coast, Christian Philly Philemon. And sitting with me to the right at a reasonably socially distance, I will call it three feet, it's not really six, J.R. Liebert, the mouth of the South Bay, the scarf! Hey, that's me. Normally I get to do that, but that's fine. You did it for me. And we are, look, we met Barbara Ferrer at the last match, in our first match of the season. She did tell us three feet for those that are fully vaccinated in a room together. So there you go. Sweet. And and you are at least on your second shot. You're done with two. Not quite, I believe, fully vaccinated, right? You got a couple more days to go? I guess it's a week and a half. I just got my shot on Wednesday. There you go. It was so supposed to be Tuesday, there. though. You're getting there. You can't yet hang out in the fully vaccinated supporters section, which debuted this week for LAFC. But I believe the term is is Philly efficacious. Is that right? That's exactly what you're soon to be father-in-law at some point Yo, within the near distant that. future. Oh, boy. <laughs> yes, Philly efficacious. I am on my way to becoming fully vaxxed. I was supposed to get it Tuesday, and I was amping myself up to get it done. I get to Dodger Stadium around 125, yep. and they closed. In fact, it was L.A. County, I believe, that closed all of the vaccination facilities as a result of a safety precaution, waiting on the impending verdict of the uh, Derek Chauvin, Chauvin? Right? Chauvin. Chauvin trial. Yep. And so, thankfully, uh, it was he was justice was served yes, in that you. respect. So nothing happened there. I went in on Wednesday, got there really early. They're like, you don't have an appointment today. And I told them, no, but I did yesterday, and you closed it on me. Therefore, I am here right now. And they said, okay, no problem. Nice. Done. Well, Vaccinated. We're good to go. Look, almost as important as that, though that is clearly more important, you finally got a haircut. No oh. more no more ridiculous man sprig, I believe, as your wife called it at the top of your head there. The, uh, the little troll or my little pony, little tuft of hair that went up there. I was very happy to see that you got a haircut, my friend. Yeah, clearly very happy because it took you about, what, 36 hours to realize I got my haircut even right. though I hung out with you yesterday? True story about the scarf. Not very observant when it comes to those things. When I started dating Nina, I told her literally in one of our very first conversations as a couple, here's the thing. You're probably going to like do your eyebrows or your hair or like change stuff, and I'm not going to notice. But I'm telling you right now, early on, Worst person in the world at those things. So now you can't get mad. It's like, you know, Eminem and 8 Mile when he disarmed the other rapper by just telling him all the things about himself already. That's what I did about Nina. I just told her all the things that I was terrible at. And she was like, well, now I can't be upset at you. If only that worked. Anyways, the other thing. I like my haircut. We had a good time. (laughs) Not many 40-year-olds can have a man sprig. Y'all didn't really allow me enough time to have a man bun. I like the my new haircut. Have you guys ever go back on YouTube back (laughs) in the day? Now, Chief, I'm in the zone. (laughs) Right? Somebody wants to go go check out the my new haircut. That's what makes me uh, think of Philly when I see that. It's pretty good. Really? That guy? I mean, Of all people, that guy? Is there anybody else in our friend group that would have suggested Jaeger bombs other than you, sir? I mean, when was the last time I suggested a Jaeger bomb? Literally yesterday when we saw the Jaeger and coffee commercial. Oh, yeah, Literally right. yesterday. One other thing that we kind of want to talk about on accident, we weren't I, we weren't really planning on talking about this, but it was kind of neat. The, the Guiltinis, <laughs> which can we just talk about? Okay, rugby in LA, really cool concept. We had the first professional rugby match in Los Angeles history yesterday <laughs> as Bank of California Stadium was emptying out with about 4,900 of the most beautiful people I've ever seen in the entire world. God, do I miss all of you at Bank of California Stadium. As it was emptying out, Philly... We saw these Hawaiian shirt and lay clad giggity uh, bunch of rugby fans that were headed towards the Coliseum. And, and it kind of dawned on us at the end. Oh, wait, this is the Guiltinis. Hate the name. Love the idea. L.A., we've got a rugby team. <laughs> the thing about it is a lot of those people, we, we'd ask them. So for those of you who are familiar with rugby, and I'm not going to say I am. David but, Lopez. But, but there's rugby league. And there's rugby union, and they both play by different rules. And so, like, I asked a couple of people, "Hey, I don't know anything about this 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 league, this team. What kind of rules are they playing? Is it rugby league or rugby union?" And one girl goes, "Oh, it's it's the major rugby league." I'm like, "All right, she clearly doesn't know what I'm talking about." <laughs> Their answer was yes. <laughs> and then another person I asked, "Hey, rugby league, rugby union rules? Like, what's the story here?" Oh, union, man. And I'm like. All right, nobody really knows what's going on, but they're all dressed up in Hawaiian shirts and lays and funny hats. So I figured, why not find out what the story is with tickets? Yep. For either 20 bucks 
35 bucks or 50 bucks, you too can be in attendance at the Coliseum to watch a Giltini's game. And supposedly, they're really good. They absolutely destroyed San Diego. They put the, as we like to call it, the shebang bang on them, and they're undefeated 5 and 0. So, I mean, we're going to be there sometime soon. If y'all want to get together with Philly and the Scarf and, and, and Nina and, and, and Panda, we'll probably be at a Giltini's game somewhat soon. Well, we definitely have to check it out. I hate the name. Stupid, I, but a martini glass with the olive shaped as a rugby ball? I think that's kind of cool. And look, that's interesting, but here's the deal. I don't know the guy's last name. We, we didn't bother to research this because literally we just decided we were talking about it on the pod like six minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, but, seriously. But the, uh, the Giltini's and the Gilgronies are two of the rugby teams in this league. They are owned by the same guy whose last name either... I think his last name starts with Gil. I don't know. But he's chosen, because you know he's humble and stuff, to name these two teams after him. I can't stand the name, but I will absolutely support the product. Why not? We're going to head out to a Giltini's game. Maybe we should start our own at like some team. Point. Let me, uh, one other thing, Philly. The that, Filleritas. Oh, God. That's, <laughs> there you go. That sounds like more of a roller derby team. Or the team Leers, like Liebert Beer. I mean, I, yep. All right. So the other thing that we just want to mention really quickly, you guys, make sure you check out the Kentucky Derby Next week, we got our buddy Nick, and we have some insider information. You should bet on the the horse Rock Your World. Oh, no, we're doing that now. I know. We're, we're just doing it. Disclaimer, we are not pony pros. Not pony pros. Paul LaDuca, former Metropolitan legend and Dodger great, he's now all over the ponies. That's what he did while he was playing, and then even now. And the old check, too. Look, here's the cool stuff. Uh, Nick and his family have a horse in the Derby, so we're very excited to support. Look, we we have no idea whether it's going to win or not, so sorry if you bet on it and you lose, but we're going to bet on it. So if we lose, then there you go. That's what's going to happen. If you're wondering how to bet, there's an app called Express Bet. Not that I know anything about betting on the ponies. I I still think I have a $46 credit there. Congratulations. I don't even know if we're allowed to put this stuff on the pod. I have no idea, but it's going to stay on there. Why not? Good. So again... Uh, the the name of the horse one more time, Philly. Rock your world. Rock your world. There we go. Rock your world for next week's Kentucky Hopefully Derby. Hopefully, she doesn't rock my bank account. Oh, well, I mean, I'm I'm betting a hundred bucks. I'm I'm saying it right now. I'm going to put hundred bucks on Rock Your World at right now as we're talking here. It is April twenty fourth, twenty fifth. What is today's oh, date? Jeez, oh, I don't goodness. know. Does it even I think matter? Twenty fifth. Yeah, it's the twenty fifth, the day after the match, and and we'll probably be putting up a picture of yesterday and Philly sleeping on the couch, so you can see why this is getting out today rather than late last night. But what? as of the 25th, love you, it's uh, Rock Your World is an 8-1 to one favorite. So we'll see what happens there. It's time for this day in LAFC history. You guys know it as one of the most popular segments on Defenders of the Bank, and it's a very short this day in LAFC history. In fact, just yesterday in 2018, in front of over 39,000 people at Chavez Ravine, a healthy Carlos Vela throws out the first pitch at Dodger Stadium five days before the first ever match at Bank of California Stadium. Carlitos on the mound threw a relatively solid strike-ish. Better than 50 Cent or Fauci. Oh my God, 50 Cent. If you guys want to look up the worst first pitch ever, at was it City Field or Shea Stadium? I no, it was City ago. Field. It was City Field. At City Field, fifty cent looked like five cent after it that. It was pitch. real, real bad. He hit a cameraman, I think, <laughs> with the ball, and he was like off in the middle of the first baseline. It was pretty bad. But that, by it's the easy way, to love me now <laughs> is the end of this day in LAFC history. Congrats to Carlos Vela for being healthy enough to throw out that first pitch. Not so much to play in our match against Seattle, but Philly. Our match against Austin, this was kind of a cool bit of news that we found over the break there. Our match against Austin was the most watched soccer match in the United States last week. We're not just talking the most watched MLS match. It was the most watched soccer match ahead of Manchester United against, I think it was Burnley, ahead of the U.S. women's national team against France, and and by the way, just barely ahead of the Beckham FC matchup, Miami taking on Carson in Miami. So kudos to LAFC, over 485,000 people checking in on television. We know that those numbers are all weird and skewed now because you can watch matches in so many more different ways. But the most watched soccer match in America last week was LAFC versus Austin and Philly. One other partnership I want to talk about that 
I'm so excited about this, but I know our buddy Max Bredos is even more excited about this. Max, we thank you for listening to the pod. We know you're a big fan. He, he shouted us out on the inside, the MVP podcast. I, I heard that. That was really cool. We, we love those guys. I mean, Max and Vince, the partnership back together again. I mean, could there be a better duo? I mean, another better duo <laughs> in LAFC podcasting. I don't think there could be. But Farmer John, thank goodness, renewing their partnership with LAFC, entering their second year of their multi-year partnership, which kicked off last Saturday, April 17th, was year number two. Look, if you guys don't know Farmer John, then you don't like bacon. They are now the official Giggity Packaged Meat Partner of LAFC for the 2021 season. Last year, Farmer John and LAFC showcased the incredible work being done in our community during a year when it was needed more than ever. And the nice part is, LAFC's play-by-play announcer, Max Bredos, will continue to be the leading brand ambassador, lucky, of the partnership in 2020. Max helped launch La Familia on Max Live and provided engaging social content and commentary throughout the season. Bredos also supported Farmer John's Thank You Tour. I didn't, I, by the way, I would have loved to have been a part of Farmer John's Thank You Tour, which donated nearly 700,000 servings of protein to the Los Angeles Regional Food Bank and served free lunch to food bank employees. Once again, LAFC, a force for good in the community. Philly, you've got some fun news on, and I'm going to say this, this might make some waves. This is my favorite player in LAFC history. I did it. I said it. Okay, I'm kind of perturbed and shocked. Two reasons. Scarf mentioned he's really excited about Farmer John's, yet he has had meat in several months. Neither of you. Yeah, fine, fine. But uh, I'm, I'm actually shocked that this you're mentioning this is your favorite player. Favorite player in LAFC history. Wow, okay. I was under the impression that it might have been the star, man. But Scarf's favorite player of all time does not grace our roster anymore. Nope. Number 99, the former great one on our team, Adama Diamande. Adama Diamande scored his first goal with the Kangzhou Mighty Lions on Wednesday, April the 21st. He made his debut in the Chinese Super League, and Dio made his presence felt about an hour in. Dio found the equalizer for the Mighty Lions in the 67th minute. Oddly enough, well, not oddly enough, he took some time off. His first goal since that unforgettable pair of goals that sunk the Galaxy on October the 24th, 2019. Adama Diamande doing things in China for the last place team in the league. But hey, with a guy like him, there's only one direction to look up, and it's, <laughs> and it's right. up. With Dio, all things can be qu- all things can be saved. No, Philly, you're absolutely right. In fact, I believe they have now split the table. It's two groups of eight teams in the Chinese Super League, and I think, despite their loss two one, they're sixth out of eight teams in their group, and I believe like sixteenth out of eighteen or sixteenth out of sixteen teams. No, excuse me, don't worry, I do the maths. Thirteen out <laughs> of sixteen teams in the Chinese Super League. My goodness, but yeah, Philly. Just think back for just a second. While we're here, we've got all the the LAFC faithful, the millions. And millions. About that match against Carson, 2019 playoffs, we had never beaten them. And to soundly trounce them out of the playoffs, 5-3. Dio scored the first goal when we were up 3-2 to make it 4-2. The second goal when we were up 4-3 to make it 5-3. The final result... Dio was the man. He really was in that match, and and I'm sorry. I, I know we've got a lot of great players that have graced the roster. We've had you know the Andre Hortas, the Christian Ramirez's, the Andy Nahars. But <laughs> I, for me, there was an Andy Nahar jersey <laughs> sighting. There was. Oh my God, there was an Andy Nahar jersey sighting. I'm thinking the, the guy's last name was Nahar. I, you know what? Look, that that's. I'm hoping that's the case. Otherwise, you, they, it's sad that they don't have like a a jersey guarantee policy. Like if the player is just terrible or gets. Oh, well, like the NBA has that Amex deal thing? exactly. That's a pretty cool thing. It's like, you know, if they trade your favorite player, you can trade in their jersey for another one. Anyway, Adama Diamande, Mm. easily my favorite player. Congratulations to the UC Irvine Anteater, Alvaro (laughs) Quezada. LA Football Club signs their third round MLS 21 super draft pick. He's a he's a versatile defender, midfielder, Alvaro Quezada. It was a bit of a surprise considering LAFC's history with not signing their draft picks, but 
likely done, Philly, for depth for the match that we are about to get into. LAFC against Seattle. He's signed for the remainder of the season. Lancaster's finest, born in Granada Hills, played three seasons at UC Irvine, the land of Al Rate, before being selected 68th overall in this year's MLS Super Draft. Congratulations to Alvaro Quezada for joining the ranks of the black and gold, not just drafted, but now signed to the first team in Philly. Someone who looks like they're going to be signing a new contract with the first team rather soon is a player who needs no introduction whatsoever. Number 20 on the turf, or the pitch rather. God, I've been calling indoor soccer too much. But number one in your hearts, our hearts. Bob, let the cat out of the bag in regards to the future of the most important player on our club. Not Carlos Vela. Maybe Diego Rossi, but Edward Atuesta. I believe that they are either close or have finalized an extension for his contract, said the LAFC head coach during a presser on Thursday. He also stated the fact that Edward loves playing here, and obviously he's an important player, <laughs> and we have really enjoyed how we work with him every day. Rumors are likely it's going to be a three-year deal. It destroys the rumor of him potentially going down to Brazil to play for Philip Edgemato's favorite club, right. Palmeiras. Of course, we didn't think that that was a deal that's going to happen. Edward Atuesta worth, what, $3.4 million as per what the transfer market says. Potentially a blockbuster deal for Palmeiras. But we've got him. He's solidified and he made quite the impact in the game against the Sounders. More on that later. Edward Atuesta, the most important player on our team, sticking around for a little while longer. Philly, you remember that skit on Key and Peele where (laughs) it's Barack Obama's translator? Right, he's got the little bubble, and he's like, actually, it's like his anger translator or whatever it is. That's let me, let me be Bob Bradley's translator on those quotes. You said, you know, I believe they're either close or finalized. And Edward loves playing. Please don't leave, Edward. Please don't leave. You are so far and away the best player on the pitch that we have right now. As this game, as we are about to tell you, as we unfold the game recap. Edward Atuesta, you are so, so good. Oh, my goodness. That's my next jersey. It has to be. I'm surprised it's taken this long for me to get it. Come on. And for me, born on the 20th, you would think I would have a number 20 already in my closet. Surprised you don't have a number 99. I mean, but you know me. I I just don't buy players' names on the back of my jersey. But you know what? I, I will make the exception for Edward Atuesta, and I should. You're absolutely right. Make the exception for my favorite player, Adama. Diamande Philly something that was really cool that was released throughout the media last week is that LAFC actually debuted a fully vaccinated supporters section it was obviously the club's first fully vaccinated only supporters section and it was for members of the 3252 for this match against Seattle they've partnered with the LA County Department of Public Health to host an on-site pre-game vaccination clinic as well we saw that over on the side at the Coliseum that was pretty cool that they were getting fans vaccinated That was with the support of the USC Pharmacy and the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. Pretty cool, Philly, that we're starting to lead the way in more ways than one on the pitch this season. Now off the pitch in the stands. For sure. And as per the LAFC website, it was 250 people that were going to be in the vaccinated only area. And here's another fun one for you. 400 days ago, fans in the vaccinated only area at Bank of California Stadium will have the opportunity. Oh, it was 400 days ago where people were able to like lock and cheer and March arms 8th. and all that other stuff. March 8th. I, I can't believe it's it's been that long. 2020 seriously being the year of all things forgotten and all things ugly. At least we move on. Some semblance of uh, norm, normal normalcy. Normalcy. Uh, you're you're the teacher here. That would be normalcy me. and semblance, I believe. I like two. normalcy. I'm going to create another word. If Noah Webster, got, roll in your grave. If you've got a semblance and normalcy on your Phillies vocabulary dictionary bingo cards. please cross those off right now philly that's just about it for news and notes my friend let's get right in to the recap of this match look it was a much ballyhooed i believe would be a word that you could use matchup here between seattle and lafc however lafc without some very key members on the and by the way did you notice this philly In between our Austin match and our Seattle match, they actually changed the name of the Kaiser Permanente injury report to the Kaiser Permanente player availability. 
disability report <laughs> because apparently missing a COVID test or finding COVID results out a little bit late means that you're not injured. You're just not available. The Kaiser Permanente player availability report. The first, let's talk about the questionables. It was pretty much everybody on our front line. My goodness. <laughs> we had Corey Baird and Danny Musovsky as questionable. I mean, it was it was a rough injury report. Who was our third forward that was questionable on that report, Philly? I'm 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 blanking on I, I don't have it in the notes, which is why I was hoping that you might remember that third forward that was questionable. The moose. It was no, we said Danny Musovsky. We said Corey. Rossi? Baird. Oh, thank you. The man who scored that first goal against the Sounders? Yeah, it was Diego Rossi. I don't know why I didn't remember that. I just assumed he wasn't playing. Diego Rossi. Thank you very much. Was nowhere to be found because he was injured. He wasn't in the game. Oh, boy. All right. (laughs) So that was the end of our questionable list. We knew we had a couple guys that were out beginning the match in Mohamed Traore and Eric Duenas, two players that wouldn't likely see the pitch either way for LAF. A bit of a surprise was Tristan Blackman, and it was it was due to uh, health and safety protocols. And then Philly, fascinating. As we were researching everything to do this match last night, there was actually a change in the Kaiser Permanente player availability report. Initially, Carlos Vela was ruled questionable with a quad injury, but when we checked after the match to get our notes ready. For this podcast, episode 143, and don't worry, we love you too. Philly did not know pager code. If you guys didn't hear that, check out episode 142, but 143 means we love you, Defenders Faithful. Why wouldn't I know pager code? If I'm the oldest guy here and you make fun of me all the time, why would I not know pager code? You didn't know pager code. When did we have this conversation? You you may have had a little bit to drink on the last episode, but that's okay. Go back and listen to 142. It's actually a pretty good episode. We did Jeez, it. I'm really not that bad a drinker. I mean, you're really not sometimes. But Carlos Vela, the injury report, excuse me, the player availability report was changed to say out due to health and safety protocols. And what we found out via, I believe this was Alicia Rodriguez and several other media outlets on Twitter, is that Carlos Vela missed a COVID test due to a family-related issue. I believe is how it was put on one of the websites or one of the Twitters that we follow. A family-related issue caused Carlos Vela to miss his COVID testing. However, what we were told by Bob is that he would not have played anyway. And for those of you that doubt that, by the way, for those of you that doubt that, do us a favor. Go back and look at the substitution that was or was not made, according to Carlos Vela, the oopsie that Bob Bradley made in, in pulling him out. We don't think it was that big of an oopsie, and I'll tell you why. Carlos Vela's first couple steps when the camera gets on him look a little bit like I look in the morning, and I have a degenerative condition in my right ankle, so I limp a little bit every now and then. Carlos Vela looked like he was walking like me those first couple steps off the pitch. So maybe it was a good idea that we hold him out, and especially in hindsight, in this 1-1 tie that we will, excuse me, draw, in this 1-1 draw that we will talk about in just a minute, and the 2 nothing win over Austin Philly, I actually think that it was a good idea all the way around Even if you missed a test or even if you messed up a substitution, even if you had a quad issue, I'm glad Carlos Vela didn't play in this match. Yeah, and I can completely agree with you. He wasn't wasn't pimping. He was obviously limping as he walked off the turf. (laughs) And then they mentioned you mentioned no Tristan Blackman and these health and safety protocols. uh, and, And we this is what they include. Now, the following reasons can all be attributed to health and safety protocols. Quarantine related to a high risk close contact. That's one. Quarantine due to high risk behavior. That's two. Uh, <laughs> pended COVID-19 test results. That's three. Inconclusive COVID-19 test results. That's four. Positive COVID tests or confirmed cases. Five. Other illnesses not related to COVID-19. Six. But not on that list. That's right. We talked Not about on that, that list yep. was? Was missing yeah. a COVID test. So it's interesting that Carlos Vela was still put on that list due to health and safety protocols, even though it said he missed a test. Either way, look. Bottom line is, we're hoping everybody will be healthy, everybody ready to go by the time we take on the human highlighters of Houston and the fighting Christian Ramirez's 
in Ramirez. Yeah, that was the remix version of Christian Ramirez. DJ Clue. May for no DJ Khaled. Another one. We didn't play on that. That's why we do a podcast together. Why am I yelling? Let's get. That's actually a question I ask you all the time. Let's get into the starting lineups, Philly, and allow myself to introduce Seattle and their five-three-two. Everyone's favorite second goalie on LAFC, <laughs> Stephen Fry, Brad Smith. Thanks, Brad. Not Dan Smith of BYU, but Brad Smith of <laughs> another Keen Peel reference. Oh, that's two already so far. Two. Uh, uh, uh. We got New Who on the back line, and New Who definitely had a clue who how to defend. <laughs> hey, there's a Gary Gold reference. There. Yep, you did that. Uh, we have Xavier Ariaga, who actually didn't think played very well for Seattle in this match. Shane O'Neill, the Irishman. Alex, or as we like to call him, the other Roldan. <laughs> yeah. Christian Roldan, or as we like to call him, the good Roldan. <laughs> Josh Atencio, he played for Nico Lodiero, who Nico Lodiero is an absolute beast and a difference maker anywhere he is on the pitch. So it was nice not to see Nico Strained out there. Strained quadricep. However, Josh Atencio, that's not his nickname, that's what he had. Uh, Josh Atencio, the nice. 19-year-old has played excellently for Seattle in these first two matches. Like I said last week, he led the league in running, which is like distance covered. It's a stat. It's something I would never finish in the top 74 in if there were only 73 players in Major League Soccer. So Josh Atencio played very well, the 19-year-old for Seattle. Joe Paulo, a player who I have been wanting to watch game in and game out since he came into the league and did some incredible things last week, not so much this week. Raul Rui Diaz, five goals in five matches coming into this match. So we all had eyes on the Peruvian. And Will Bruin, a player who I'm just not a big fan of. I just don't like the way he plays. I'm not a big fan of him, but he is a longtime grizzled MLS veteran and in the 18, amongst others, one of our favorite players to watch last season, the problem, Yamar Gomez Andrade, who has tree trunks for legs, and I think he's missing his neck. He is a giant human individual. Kellen Rowe, Jordi DeLem, and Ethan Dobelere, the 18-year-old U.S. youth national team player who we will certainly talk about right around the 83rd, I believe, minute of the game recap. Those are all the important players for Seattle, but Philly, you've got a fun one here with LAFC. We've already talked about it. No Tristan, no Carlos, no Diego Rossi. So who, and by the way, was it even a 4-4-3 or 4-3-3, excuse me, to start for LAFC? Yeah, I mean, things shifted, obviously, in goal in between the pipes. We mentioned this during the last podcast. No more goalkeeper controversy. Nope. Pablo Cisniega. We had Farfan, who made his LAFC debut, and he had a beautiful game, if, if I do say so myself. Eddie Segura, Jesus David Murillo, and Cheeky Palacios rounding out that back line. The midfield... Mac, Mark Anthony K, Edward Atuesta, and then and, and Latif Blessing. And then in terms of the forwards, we had this is where it got interesting. Right. We had Jose Cifuentes. We had Opoku. And if you were listening to the public address announcer, he mentioned <laughs> that he was questionable, which prior to the start of the match, we thought, all right, no Corey Baird. But then Corey Baird started. Whee. So clearly there was a little bit of miscommunication in between the starters and the public address well, announcer. being questionable means you could still play. Yeah, but I mean, they already announced the starting lineup and he still said he was questionable. So there was some miscommunications there. Rounding out the at- the 18, we have Thomas Romero. We have Jordan Harvey. We have Pancho Janela. I-, I have a reference I would like to uh, you know tie to him when he comes in the game. We have Kim Moon Hwan. We have a reference for him later on in the, in the y- podcast recap too. Newly signed from UC Irvine, the 68th overall pick in the most recent draft. Alvaro Quesada. We had Bryce Duke. Cal Jennings, who looking at his hair made me really regret cutting my hair. <laughs> Tony Leone and Raheem Edwards. All right. So here's the fun part about this match. We got to our seats. We sat down. And then right away, Mahala gives us a little bit of a reason to holla. Earning a, I can't believe I just did that. Earning a free kick. I'm upset at myself, guys. Don't worry. If you all all groaned out there and I heard the, the groan as I said it, I apologize for that. But just one minute and what, 25 seconds into the match, Philly? Edward Atuesta on a free kick. And I will say, on the national broadcast, they were talking about, well, you know, there are some teams that are putting a player behind the wall, laying <laughs> down, so that if you New sneak who? one under... And then just because Edward Atuesta heard the national broadcast, he <laughs> sneaks one under the wall on a free kick. 
Can I tell you why, Philly, I don't think that most MLS teams do that? Because most MLS teams don't have a player the quality of Edward Atuesta who can actually execute it and put it on target. Stefan Fry was caught leaning in one direction, it looked like, but couldn't make his way back over to his right post. Edward Atuesta, the fastest goal in LAFC history, one minute and 25 seconds into the match, eclipsing the record by Dayan Yakovic. If you had Dayan Yakovic being mentioned on today's podcast, cross that on your Defenders of the Bank bingo card. September 23rd, 2020, against Mark Dos Santos's Canucks of Vancouver. <laughs> Atuesta, here's the cool part, Philly. Atuesta now has eight goals in his professional career, all of them happening with LAFC. Of those eight goals, four have come off of set pieces or PKs, and four of those eight have come against Seattle. We should really give the uh, the assist to Xavier Arriaga because him taking down Mahala... Thank you, Xavier. ...led to that. Now, the interesting thing, we talk about Edward Atuesta. I mean, he didn't kick the stitches out of the ball. He did not. He saw an opening, he threaded the needle, and he squeezed it past Seattle. Great heads-up play because it was funny. Looking and watching the broadcast over again, Taylor Twelman mentioned that this was yep. a difficult position to score in. And apparently, it was Stephen Fry who told Nuhu to move. So Stephen Fry telling Nuhu to move made a boo-hoo for Seattle. And as a result of that, we go up one to nothing. So Stephen Fry once again helping LAFC score goals. Look. This is why I love Stefan Fry. He's my second favorite keeper that's not on LAFC. Right now, my top two keepers in the league, Pablo Cisniega and Thomas Romero. After oh, that, you like the kid from New England. I, no, 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 no. Well, no, I respect. He's like Derek Jeter to me. I respect the heck out of him. I just don't ever want to have to play that's him. My, elevated praise. My favorite keeper in Major League Soccer. I'm a sucker for the Peruvians, man. I love watching uh, Raul Ruiz Diaz. Excuse me. I love watching Edison Flores. I love watching Orlando's keeper, Pedro Gallese. We got to see a lot of Pedro Gallese last season in the MLS's back tournament, also known as the COVID Cup. So he's my favorite non-LAFC keeper in MLS, but number two for sure because of all the help that he loves to give LAFC, both on the Laurent Simon free kick and now on this, you mentioned it really well, Philly. Stephen Fry, my second favorite non-LAFC keeper. Man goes to Machu Picchu and now he's a man of the Peruvians. Respect. Actually, it's because, no joke, it's actually because of that we were sitting at this little Peruvian cafe with like 16 middle schoolers. We ordered some food. It was actually, it was really good. It was like this this great grilled chicken with French fries and some vegetables on the side. And they brought us these, these wonderful, I don't want to call them salsas, but they were sauces, salsas, whatever. It was absolutely fantastic. And then we got to order the teachers. We got to order the ceviche that was incredible because, you know, we're teachers. We're really important. So every now and then we get a nice meal. Anyways, it, it was so great. And we were literally across from this small stadium of about, I don't know, seven or 8,000 people where the Peruvian national team was playing and we saw, we were watching it on television and we could hear and kind of feel the energy from across the way. It was a really cool, unique experience that we just happened to have because Peru was playing literally across the street from us at the time while we were there in Peru. So you're absolutely right. It's because I took my... I wasn't making fun of you. No, no, no. I'm I'm literally like... I'll make fun of you later on. I'm ready for it. Let's go. But absolutely, I, I have a lot of respect for the Peruvians only because... Because I got to kind of experience them playing uh, in their in their national setting, Philly. Yep. So going right back to the game, around uh, nine or so minutes after the Edward Atuesta goal, off of a corner kick by Atuesta himself, the ball deflects and finds its way to Jesus David Murillo. The ball comes off his chest, but to the left of the Sounders goal. That was a near opportunity for LAFC. And in the 25th minute, a great opportunity for Seattle. Christian Roldan, the good Roldan, the good Roldan, makes some space for himself and takes a stab at Paulo. Pablo, rather. Ball hits the left post. No goal, but certainly a close call. And I do want to say something. And Gaston, who sat with me for the entire second half of the match, who is now... Not the the guy from Beauty and the Beast. No, but he's our new favorite twin. You guys all met Lalo (laughs) as the translator for Edward Atuesta's interview. Excuse me, for Eddie Segura's interview. We're hoping to get Edward on soon. But we had Lalo as our favorite twin because he was our translator for the Eddie Segura interview. Well, Gaston came with us to the match yesterday, so he replaces Lalo as our new favorite twin. It's all about availability, Scarf. Absolutely. That's what I, as I've said that from minute one, the most important 
important ability in sports, availability, the most important ability in our friendship, availability. There you go. <laughs> if you're not there, we forget all about you, Lalo. Sorry, buddy. Oh, God, we're really messing with Lalo harsh. right now. By the way, how great was it to see the big guy there as well? He was up in Founders in his regular seats. We were across the way in, uh, we, had, we got some, we got some decent seats in Fig Club. That was nice. So, you know, we had a great time, but I was sitting next to Gaston and he mentioned, by the way, several times, that, that he's the were, better twin? He well, he mentioned he was the original, <laughs> not the copy. It was a whole thing. But I, can't wait to hear I this actually predicted on the pod last week that Jesus David Murillo would score. I think I predicted it on the pod. I definitely predicted it when we were talking to Next Gen Podcast, who interviewed us as we walked in at Seattle's one of Seattle Sounders. Is, I think it's like the eighth best podcast in Seattle. You'll have to ask them about it. I don't know. But <laughs> I predicted a goal from Jesus David Murillo, and there were about four or five times, Philly, where they ran that back post play. They actually ran it for Mark Anthony K once, too, because Murillo didn't jump on the one play. So I think Bob was like, nah, run it for K next. He might jump instead. But it was really cool to see them running that back post play, something that we ran an awful lot with Walker Zimmerman and we had success with. Well, now it's nice to see that we have some originality back again with, I mean, originality, the back post play. It's not very original, but either way, <laughs> we're running. Running some offense off of these set-piece plays and to have somebody like Edward Atuesta. And how about Bryce Duke? He took a couple of good set pieces later on in the match as well. But you're absolutely right. The good roll, Dan, banging one off the woodwork. It's close. And Pablo, Pablo had no shot. He didn't even make an attempt. No, and, and look, I don't think it was because he was out of position. I think it was because that quality of a shot by the good roll, Dan. And, and Philly, there really wasn't a whole ton to talk about. Do you nope. have anything left until halftime? I mean, it was... One nothing LAFC, and it was kind of just two boxers feeling themselves out, giggity in the middle rounds of what would be a heavyweight championship fight, and we end the half up one nothing. Yep, no, nothing much to say. I mean, I was talking to Gaston, and we were saying after that first goal, it was a bit of a snoozer. There were a couple other attempts. There is a name that we haven't talked about yet. There are people who may or may not question this. I don't know, but there is a certain LAFC killer from previous years who wasn't on the roster. So in case you wonder... What the heck is the story with Jordan Morris? In case you forgot, he was on loan to Swansea City. In case you forgot, he tore his ACL. So I just wanted to reiterate that part. Yeah. No Jordan Morris, no no, no Nico Lodiero. You're absolutely right. Strained quadricep. Strained quadricep. That's right. That's a great name for a punk rock band. Strained quadricep is actually what I think I walk around with on a daily basis. (laughs) Going into the second half, Philly, in the 50th minute, look. We actually lamented the fact several times in this match, Philly, where we just didn't take shots. But I loved how in the oh no, we took shots. We took shots. We did, yes. But the team watching. Okay, I just wanted to make sure that you were very clear, crystal clear. I apologize. Very. We did take. Was it? What was clear? Anyways, I think it was whatever we took. It was clear, but that's fine. In the fiftieth minute, Mark Anthony came with a great one-timer, the Canadian Glory Machine, with one of a very few, in my opinion. You know, uh, very few substantial touches on the ball. He had several plays where I felt like he was a little softer on the ball this match than he could have been. When you see a guy like Edward Atuesta or you see the Latif Blessing with the ball, he really wants to control that ball every time he has it. Sometimes I feel like Mark Anthony K is a little soft with controlling that ball. But that being said, Philly, a great one-timer that misses just wide yep. Uh, just wide of the post. And, and it was one of those plays where I really liked his aggressiveness. It was absolutely what you should have done at the time. We've seen Sifu do it time and time again. Edward Atoesta do it time and time again. Keeping the defense honest by having to defend the one-timer. And who knows, that time where a defender steps up to defend against the one-timer is where you can make that pass to get a little bit more space. So I really appreciated Mark Anthony K in the 50th minute. But what I can tell you, I didn't appreciate... Well, real quick, you had to appreciate Cheeky for finding Mark Anthony K on that. Oh, pass. absolutely. It was a great pass. But what I didn't appreciate was, was Brad Smith in the 54th minute. Oh, nope. Yep, after doing an incredible job preventing Seattle from finding the back of the net, the Sounders strike as a cross finds its way to the most dangerous rifleman on the Sounders, Raul Rui Diaz, via a cross by the other Holtan. His header attempt is saved by Pablo, but the ball rebounds, and Brad Smith was there to head in the equalizer. And he scores his first ever goal as a Sounder. The Australian, born in Sydney, moved to the U.K., Played for Liverpool during his youth, even featured for the senior team on five occasions. In fact, he also played 
He's only got two goals in his career, Philly. That one that we just talked about and one for Liverpool. Yeah, and I also wanted to note that he played five matches with Burnmouth while they were in the Premier League. So this is a guy who's obviously played around some really good players. Whatever. Who's, yeah, all right. He equalized the game, and that's all we'll say there. <laughs> yeah, look, it, here's, here's what I want to mention, too. Pablo Cisniega, you did everything you needed to do on that play. I have not seen one time this season where I have doubted what Pablo has done in the back of the net. My thing with Pablo Cisniega is I wanted to see more confidence. I wanted to see him, now that he knows, right, there's no Kenneth Vermeer. He's not looking over his shoulder, with all due respect to Thomas Romero, he's not looking over his shoulder at Thomas Romero. He's not looking to Las Vegas at Philip Ejimadu. He knows that he's the guy. He's the alpha in goal. And while his passing from the back needs a lot of work. Yep. If you asked me, though, the athleticism and the the ability for him to feel confident enough to go after it, the aggressiveness on that back line, they're going after the ball. I've really liked what I've seen from Pablo. Sometimes he gets caught a little flat-footed. But that being said, we saw several times this match. He punched the ball away. He came up, jumped up and made the save or jumped up and broke up the play, whatever it took. And Pablo did everything he needed to in that goal to save the first shot. It was a rebound off of Pablo, but not a bad rebound, not a misdirected rebound. And it wasn't even a great effort in terms of the header by Brad Smith. It was a great effort by Brad Smith to get to the ball in the first place and score that goal. But again, I want everybody to be clear. Pablo has looked incredible these first two matches. And I'll say this. He's passed every test he's been given so far. Is Look, he's going to give up goals. Come on. It's Major League Soccer. People are going to score some goals. But that test, in the, the only real test that he had in this match, Philly, was that first save. Yep. And he made that save. So I can't hate on him. No, Marco Farfan, Philly, just missing getting a piece of that ball as he came back over to help on the back line. Everybody was kind of rallying. The, it was more of the back line looking a little ragged than Pablo Cisniega, anything at all. So props to Pablo Cisniega, Philly, on that save. Indeed. But four minutes after that, we also had a near-close call. We did. Edward Atuesta finds Jose Cifuentes, who turns and has a nice pass to Mahala. He tries to chip it over Stefan Fry but got a little too much boot on it. The ball just sailed over the top of the yep. crossbar, and we love the young Ghanaian. He was a pleasure to watch during last year in the preseason. So thrilled that he signed on. I know there are a lot of people within the LAFC fan community and the supporter space that are really bullish on Mahala. He had a near opportunity, but again, it goes to show you, Edward Atuesta making plays to find players. It would have been a, what, the, uh, the hockey goal, the hockey assist situation, but moving the ball pretty well, and they, near, they nearly had an opportunity to score four minutes after Seattle equalized. And I want to give some props to our listeners out there, to the millions. And millions. If you would like... A Mahala rookie card that was made in 2021 Tops, the the set that just came out just about a week ago. The first two people to DM me at LAFC underscore the scarf. The first two people to DM me on Instagram that they would like a Quadwa Opoku Mahala rookie card from 2021 Tops. I will send it out to you immediately. Please DM me your name and address so I can get it out to you. The first two people for 2021 Tops. Mahala Quadwa Opoku rookie card. You'll get one of those. And the first two people to email me, or excuse me, to message me on Instagram for the player that comes in Can in I the 64th too? minute. No, I'll just give you one. That's fine. Yeah. The first two I'll people message to right message now. me that you want a right Bryce Duke rookie card Woo-hoo! from 2021 Tops, the new soccer set that just came out. As he came in in the 64th minute, DM me on Instagram. I'll take care of you. I'll send it out right away. Slide into the scarf's DM. That's right. It's Bryce Duke in for Corey Baird and Philly. Where was Bryce Duke playing? Not midfield. Not midfield, mind you. Up top, at forward, alongside Mahala. It was just unbelievable, the players that we have playing up top right now. I I was shocked. But it's kind of fun to watch our our team take shape. And again, Philly, we talked about this. I know I said it on one of our first podcasts at the beginning of the season. 
the depth for LAFC will carry us all season. We saw that this match. Yeah, and we're going to recap that as as the, as we conclude the podcast. But 64th minute, you said it. Bryce Duke in for Corey Baird. Two minutes after that, Kay had a right-footed shot from the center of the box that was saved, and Duke would have had that assist, making his impact felt right away. 75th minute, as we like to call him, the problem. Uh, the Sounders sub, Kellen Rowe, uh, he replaces Brad Smith. Yamar... Gomez replaces yep. Shane O'Neill. That's the problem. And then three minutes after that, Xavier Ariaga, who we can credit for the assist on the first LAFC uh, goal, thank you, gets a yellow card for his Seattle Sounders. Yeah, look, I was so happy. Look for all of you that were at the match. If you were part of the, was it forty forty nine hundred, give or take, right? I forty nine oh one if you count Ollie, sure, or forty nine hundred point. Whatever. Who I cares? don't know. Anyways. We love Ollie. We've never sat for a regular season match in Figueroa Club. We were we, we bought tickets in Figueroa Club, so we were able to buy buy tickets and sit there. And we we kind of looked at the different seats that were available. We bought row A. And so I have never sat with the ability for any camera to, to see us. So ah, that was yes. that was kind of neat. So I brought with me, and I, I want to thank the Redcoats and the security at Bank of California Stadium for Securitas. allowing me, Securitas, uh, to allow me to bring in the yellow card and the red card that I brought in. Uh, I want to thank Jonathan. We love you, buddy. The D9U gringo. He let us know that they could see the yellow card from where he was. I brought a giant yellow card that I held up every time I wanted a yellow card to be issued and nothing happened and I'm sitting there next to Gaston and I'm like, I really just want an excuse to raise the yellow card for an actual yellow card. So not only do we thank Xavier Arriaga for giving us the assist on the goal to Edward Atuesta, but Xavier Arriaga, the first time I got to use my yellow card for an actual yellow card, I appreciate it. In the 80th minute, we had Pancho Ginella in for Sifu. Raheem Edwards in for Marco Farfan. And Philly, you and I thought he played pretty solidly. Marco Farfan in his LAFC debut looked very, very good. Philly, let's talk real quick before we mention the third sub in that. Let's talk for a second about how surprised we were that, and I'll give all credit in the world to Panda on this one, Mm. that Moon seems to be in retrograde. Philly, we have not seen... Kim Moon Hwan in any of these first two matches, and there have been plenty of opportunities. I'm hoping it's just fitness and not an issue with picking up the system, but we've yet to see Moon on the pitch. No, we have not seen Moon. We saw him very briefly in preseason. Disclaimer, he didn't look great in preseason. However, he came in with an injury. He's getting himself back up to snuff. We will eventually see him. I mean, they took a big opportunity and a big chance signing this young South Korean international. There are a lot of people within the LAFC fan base that are excited to see him feature. We are two of those Of course, but Bob's not going to show all his cards unless he has to. If Moon wasn't fully match fit, or didn't have the, the fitness to go a couple of minutes, why waste him? Why put him in a position where, okay, the game was kind of tight. Yes, LAFC kind of played with their backs against the wall wanting to maintain a tie, but no sense in putting that much pressure on the young man. You'd want to debut him. I really think Moon is better off debuting as a starter rather than coming in as a sub. I don't know how you feel about that. Look, I, I just want to see him on the pitch. I want to see him in black and gold for the first time for real. We saw him in the preseason match. But a player we did get to see on the pitch, nine goals in 14 matches for Memphis 901, the fighting Tim Howards in USL last year. Cal Jennings coming into the match in the 80th minute for Mahala. He was a baller in college, man. Not 46 just, goals, 64 games. He can play. He can put the ball in the back of the net, which is what I really like. Not just his LAFC debut, Philly, but his major league soccer so debut cool for the player you are jealous of the salad in his bowl on the top of his head. That sounds awful, by the way. In the 83rd minute, Jordi Delem and Ethan Dobelair. We'll talk about him in, oh, <laughs> give me 30 seconds. Sub in for Will Bruin and Joao Paulo. And if you saw what Joao Paulo could do from distance last match, I'm happy that, that he is no longer on the pitch. Not nearly as worried about Jordi Delem and Ethan Dobelair as I am Will Bruin and Joao Paulo. And just like that, my dreams come true. Ethan Dobelair 
gives me another reason to put up a yellow. We were actually hoping it'd be a red, and it looked like it maybe should have been, Philly, a straight red. I will put forth this. If it was any other player than Ethan Dobelaire, who had literally checked in like 30 seconds prior, that would have been a red. But because apparently the referee has feelings, boo blue team, he did (laughs) not get a red card. He just got a yellow. The game just seemed like it was moving a little fast for the 18-year-old. This kid's meteoric rise from like Tacoma Defiance's 18 to Seattle Sounders playing on the pitch against LAFC in the final 10 minutes or so picked up a yellow. He's got a lot of youth national team experience and we're pretty high on him as a U.S. men's national team prospect, but he did not look good against LAFC. It was a bad foul. And in the 85th minute, I had barely sat down from yelling at Ethan Dobelair when the other Roldan, Alex Roldan, seemed a little upset. He yelled at the referee and yelled at the referee and yelled at the referee, and the referee let play go on. And then as soon as play stopped, he said, okay, now you go on timeout. Now you're in trouble, mister. We are no longer going to dinner after the match. Alex Roldan gets a yellow card. Detention. Three straight yellows for Seattle. And unfortunately, I didn't have any more reason to show the yellow card for Seattle, and I wasn't about to stand up and give the yellow card sign to the 88th minute for Latif Blessing. Nope, he got a yellow. Clear, easy, no questions. Yep. 89th minute, as time is ticking away, Seattle tries the same play that got them the equalizer in the 54th minute. The other Roldan, Alex Roldan, has a great cross, (laughs) connects with Raul Ruiz Diaz, but thankfully, the trajectory and the power of that header, it went above the crossbar. That was a scary attempt because it worked once before. Why not try it again? No Brad Smith. He came out of the game. Nobody there. And honestly, there's no rebound, so it really didn't matter. A huge bullet dodged there by LAFC. Philly, you and I both know what Raul Ruiz Diaz has done to He's this He's a team. killer. Five goals in five matches coming into this, so it would have been almost poetic that he gets his sixth in sixth. However... Not going to happen. Let me tell you what I love about Cal Jennings. He's into the match. He finally gets his first chance to take a swing at one and does in the second minute of stoppage time, Philly, of five minutes, by the way. And I was surprised. I actually turned to Gaston and said this. It felt like Seattle, once stoppage time started, actually was playing for a point on the road rather than trying to steal one in the last few minutes, especially because of that play that they ran with Raul Ruiz Diaz, where it looked like they very could and should have stolen all three points on the road against LAFC. We got away with one, but look, Cal Jennings, second minute of stoppage time, giving it a go. Like I said, nine goals and 14 USL matches last season. I was happy to see him take a shot. Good on him. Congrats on his and Marco Farfan's LAFC debut. And Props to Edward Atuesta, though. He once again had a cross that almost connected. Atuesta everywhere, needing to be recognized. We said how important he was on a lot of these plays that were near misses by LAFC. He was on he was the first part of it yeah you know what that actually rounds out our match recap affiliate i want to get your thoughts you just mentioned edward atuesta both you and i had the same takeaway so real quick i just want to do the stats yeah in terms of possession very evenly matched game lafc 51 percent of the port uh the possession of 49 of the sounders shots 9-4 lafc 9-3 sounders fouls it got chippy 17 to 13 lafc corner 6 to 3 lafc stephen fry having the uh, the lead in terms of saves 3 to 2 passing accuracy really good for lafc 77.9 and i'll tell you they got a well deserved point seattle came into this game with, with other than Ladero with all their uh, all, all their big guns. They decimated Minnesota United 4-0 the previous matchup. We did not believe deep down that LAFC was going to give that much of a of a match. But that goal by Edward Atuesta certainly changed things. He was my MVP in this matchup, not because of the goal that he made, but because of his distribution, because of all the uh, the scenarios and the positions that he had where he was making plays happen. I'm a big fan of Edward Atuesta. Seattle normally plays a very physical type brand of football. But with guys like Jose Cifuentes, Jesus David Murillo, 
They, they, they couldn't be as physical because they had bigger boys giving the physicality back. And as chippy as it was, it was LAFC that led with the fouls. So it's good to have imp- uh, enforcers like this. And obviously Mark Anthony Kay was our enforcer for the longest time with the absence of Adama Diamande. I was really happy to get a point out of this. They did as well as they could other than... The back line, and we could argue slightly snoozing a bit on that rebound off the Raul Rui Diaz header. They played as well as they could. This early going into the season, we really showed how talented our team is in terms of depth. Because a lot of these players that we talked about, the Cal Jennings, so on and so forth, they may not have featured if we had a fully healthy sure. lineup. But getting to see them play, seeing them actually contribute right away is a good thing. And I, and I kind of have my thoughts on Pancho Janela. He's starting to fall out of the LAFC rotation. He's fallen on the depth chart. He comes in with 10 minutes to play. And Here's my thoughts on Pancho. All right? I wasn't the biggest fan of, of his uh, after seeing him play last season. Pancho, to me is like the vanilla part of a Neapolitan ice cream, okay? Vanilla is fine, but vanilla is in the middle between the awesome strawberry and the awesome chocolate. He's just there filling space. He is not making the impact on this team that I feel that he needs, and obviously his position within the depth charts indicates that that's my take. Pancho Janela, the vanilla part of a Neapolitan ice cream cone. All right, let me me respond to your take on Pancho Vanilla for just a second here. Here's what I will say. Pancho was brought in to be more of a defensive mid in this match in particular. It's when Pancho is brought in to do what either Sifu or Mark Anthony K or especially Ed Rotoesta do where I think he falls short. But I think in bits and pieces, in if you will say slight scoops out of the Neapolitan ice cream yeah, at a time, it's not a bad will, flavor. What I will say is they want him the to you be want. more of a defensive mid. They want him to be more of a possession mid. He's not looking to create as much. My biggest gripe with Pancho Janela is he's no longer wearing those bright yellow boots that I love so much from last season. I want to say a couple of things about this match. First, Nuhu. If you guys were watching Seattle on the opposite side, and if you were watching the whole game, then you had to at least half of it watch Seattle. Nuhu was great. Nuhu played very, very well in this match, and he really shut down a lot of what we were doing on an entire side of the field. Kind of reminded me of Deion Sanders as like a shutdown corner, and I actually heard Tyler Twelman talking, Taylor Twelman, talking about this on the post-game recap. Knew who loves this new role of being like a shutdown guy on that side, and I will say this, he played it very very well. He knows how to be physical without fouling players. He definitely snuffed out several opportunities that we had on his side. I thought Nuhu, in my opinion, Nuhu was the best player on the pitch for Seattle in this match. Neither keeper, Stefan Fry or Pablo Cisniega, really tested all that much in this match. Three saves versus two. I I didn't think there were any saves that changed the match, obviously, other than the first save that Pablo made, but there was still a goal scored on that either way. Obviously, Stefan Fry was to blame for the goal for Edward Atuesta, but that didn't have as much to do with his positioning or, or lack of ability to make the save as it had to do with him changing the line itself. So neither keeper really should look back on this match as anything at all. Edward Atuesta, I mean, I said it earlier, he was by far the best player on the pitch for either side. He is an incredible asset, and in my opinion, if there is some reason why he does not make the best 11 in MLS for the first time this season, then MLS needs to figure out how it's tallying these votes or what they're doing. He is by far one of the top three midfielders in Major League Soccer, if not the best midfielder in MLS. And I will say this, with no Carlos Vela, no Diego Rossi, there wasn't really that much creativity, but you have to also take into account the fact on the other side that Seattle is probably going to be the team that if we make it to the Western Conference Finals, and I hope that we do, and I think that we will because of our depth, Seattle will likely be the team standing there to meet us, and God do I hope it is right back at Bank of California Stadium yet again, because look, We want the chance to beat these guys in the playoffs. The last two years in the playoffs, Seattle has knocked us out. So it's time. This is third time's a charm for LAFC. This is going to be the year that we not only make it over that Seattle hump, giggity, but we also take over the MLS Cup for the entire season. I can't wait, and I want to see them at Bank of California Stadium for the Western Conference Final. 
Our depth, again, earning us points. Our depth certainly earned us three points, Philly against Austin, and they earned us a point today against Seattle. When you end the match with Cal Jennings, Raheem Edwards, and Bryce Duke at striker, and you are still able to take a point away from the most consistent, the, I will say, Tom Brady, New England Patriots. Oh, God, really? Come franchise. on, I, I, I waited until the very end. Come Damn on. It, Scar. I purposely didn't put that in the notes, but I thought about saying it the entire time. If you... You will wait and get a point from the 2012 to 2020 playoff making the excuse me 2009 to 2020 playoff making Seattle Sounders the only other team in Major League Soccer besides LAFC to make the MLS Cup playoffs in every season in their existence. They are the most consistent franchise in Major League Soccer. They're not a club like we are with LAFC, but they're the most consistent franchise. They are the standard bearers. And what we did today was we held the standard bears to one goal and it was a sloppy one. We held the standard bears to one point and we had no DPs on the pitch today and we showcased our depth. Philly, dare I say, and maybe this is the American sports fan in me becoming an actual football, world football fan, dare I say the tie kind of felt like a win. No, it definitely felt like a win. And anybody who we spoke with that's been following this club for a while feels the same way. If you are discouraged by the fact that we tied Seattle, then, then take a look at once again who was on the field. It's great to showcase the young talent. It's great to showcase the depth. Because once our big guns all come back, we're going to be a totally different team. Even even Danny Musovsky, a player that comes off the bench, wasn't there. He probably would have started this match if he was healthy. Yep. We get Rossi. We get Vela. We get Moose back. We Baird doing things. Kim Moon-Hwan, who we haven't seen. We've got a very talented team. Tristan Blackman. Tristan Blackman, of course. I mean, we have such a talented team. It's early in the season, but this is a very, very positive tie. Yes, they gave up the equalizer, but they did a really good job holding down a very high-powered Seattle Sounders offense, a team that, again, came off of a four-goal win against Minnesota United. I'm happy with it. The ruckus crowd of 4,900 was happy because a lot of us got to see each other for the first time in a long while. Very, very pleasant result, and... That's my thought on that. The next match that yes. LAFC will be playing in will be on May the 1st against the Houston Orange Crush down at BBVA Stadium in Houston, Texas, 12.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. If there are any of you that are going down there, let us know. We'd love for you to take some photos and send it to us. We'd love to see what it's like down there. I'm not exactly sure about what the story is with them allowing away fans. I know Real Salt Lake is in the market for away day support. Not sure if Houston is, but if you're going down there, we'd love to see some photos. Please tag us and we will share them. Look, the whole state of Texas is like fully open for whatever you want. I think you <laughs> the even stars like, at night right. are big and bright. Breathe in my mouth in Texas. <laughs> so here's oh, the thing about man. the Houston oh, Dynamo. Man. Yeah, that was out loud. Sorry. Oof. Houston actually didn't score a goal in their last match. They lost 2-1, but two goals were scored by Christian Paredes, one for his team and one for Houston. <laughs> and Darren Aspria scored early for Portland. Asperilla. To, uh, I love Sasparilla. Aspirin. Oh, okay. 2-1 uh, victory for Portland over Houston in their last match. Houston actually won their first match of the season 2-1. So they could come into the match with one win and one loss and it actually probably should have been a draw against San Jose if you watch the match Chris Wondolowski missed he pulled a Christian Ramirez pretty much right at the end of the match he somehow found a way to miss the goal rather than putting one on target that would have absolutely tied it Look, I like Houston a lot just because they've got Christian Ramirez, <laughs> and I've got respect for Christian Ramirez. You like DeMarcus Beasley. That's the reason you even cared about the Houston here's Fantas. The thing. Here's what I like about Christian Ramirez. Remember, we won the Supporter Shield when Christian Ramirez was September playing September 25th. Us. I have that wristband from that night. Right there. So here's what I'm going to say. He came back out on the pitch. He came to watch the celebration. And then LAFC, our teammates, embraced yeah, him. Yeah, that was And brought him over. I will always have a soft spot in my heart for Christian Ramirez. <laughs> I will not ever forget the fact that he put one over the crossbar from 17 inches out instead of putting it on target and scoring a goal. But that doesn't matter. I'd rather have I, him than freaking Brian Rodriguez. Sorry. <laughs> Look, I can't argue with Philly. I think he's also biased because they both have the same first name. But that's fine. <laughs> 
Look, I'm actually looking Philly? forward to this match. I <laughs> I think that it's going to be fun. Now, the other important thing to mention, and then we'll wrap up this podcast, is that this match is no longer as important for U.S. Open Cup seating and standings because they have yep. postponed, at Boo. least for now, the U.S. Open Cup. So those first three matches. But I will say this. I think you and I talked about it, Philly. We were talking about the Open Cup, that we wanted to come away with two wins and a draw, and we got the win and the draw that we needed, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun to see what we are hoping, Philly, you mentioned it, a healthy Carlos Vela, a healthy Diego Rossi, a fully tested and or healthy Tristan Blackman, LAFC at their full power for the first time this season in Houston at, is it still like BBVA? BBVA, there unless they is. changed it to you know, you Fanta, Sunkist, Orange Crush, Either way, Tropicana, we're Clementines. For, that's enough. <laughs> we're looking forward to playing the human highlighters of Houston. Oh, thanks. Christian Ramirez's. Enough. Way to go. <laughs> I can't wait till our match against Houston on May 1st. You and I may be taking part in that match at Party Beer Co. We had a really good time with the guys over at Party Beer Co. And by Feeling the way... very hazy after several IPAs. They are, they are the new... Uh, was it craft beer sponsor of LAFC? We finally got rid of that Boston-based Angel City Brewing. We love the Angel City Chicks, not so much Angel City Beer. So props to Party Beer Co. We love those guys out there. We've had a good time. We got to hang out with Josh and Justin for a little bit. And I know everybody else there. Here's what we love most, Philly, about Party Beer Co. When <laughs> you walk in on match day, beer? all of the... Sur- we love beer. They have... <laughs> time out. Segway. Wasn't planning on this. One second. I'll go back to what I was saying they have a slushy that's like a beer shandy you guys it's oh like, yes it's like a lemon slushy that's with where beer. it all went downhill for me let me tell you how good that was look if you're tired of us talking about beer on occasion on our podcast it's our podcast so I'm sorry but that being said <laughs> Party Beer Co. The what do you think we're fueled by? That we, well, you got told not to talk about alcohol on your Ontario Fury broadcast, but we can't get told not to talk about alcohol because it's ours. The FCC True. will let us be and let we be we. So let's <laughs> all see. Uh, I did an Eminem reference there. That's a second Eminem reference. This I looks think like I a did job for me. On this podcast. I'm so sorry, guys. I, I do want to mention one last thing. Party Beer Co. will be there. It was a great time. For those of you that have listened to all about an hour and five minutes or so, Philly is holding a beer tap literally in his hand right now. A Defenders our- of the Bank beer tap. That's true. I don't even know. He literally, I don't even know where he pulled that from. It was like bibbity bobbity Philly on that one. <laughs> but here's what I was Philly saying. Philly efficacious. For those of you that have listened all the way to the end, if well, you want you. <laughs> a Christian Torres rookie card from the new 2021 oh. Tops slide into those LAFC underscore the scarf DMs and I will send two of you, the first two of you, to mention that you want a Christian Torres rookie card. And by the way, thank you so much to Christian's dad for following my collection at at scarf collects on Instagram. I've done a little page for all of my all of my cards that I collect because you guys know I'm also a collector of LAFC stuff. Anyways, no. If you want that, I know, right? Shocker. Uh if you if you want to follow me at Scarf Collects, that's great. If you want to follow Philly, Philomonster35 scarf at lafc underscore the scarf and of course why would you be listening if you're not already excuse me following at defenders of the bank on facebook and instagram and on twitter at defend the bank we can't wait to report on a win against houston and you know how we like to end all of our episodes bye bye